What is up, folks? This is Tony Brunner and Aaron Dotson, and this week for Christianity Now, we have a special guest. Todd Clippert is with us, and we'll give Todd a chance to introduce himself, although I don't think he needs any introduction at this point. Uh, the last time Todd was on, we talked about something in association with the local church. How big, what is the proper size of a local congregation? And you'd be surprised. We actually come up with an answer, and I think it's scriptural and 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 useful and, and helpful to uh, people that are trying to order their quote-unquote business on the local level. But today we're going to talk about some things that we can do for Sunday evening. Are there better things we can do? Are we stuck in a rut? Is it a Hebrews 10.25 violation of Scripture if you don't come back on Sunday night or even Wednesday night? So uh, we're going to answer these questions and a whole lot more periodically uh, because I know we're dealing with some some difficult topics, not difficult as in they're too hard for you to understand, but difficult as, as in they are emotionally, uh, we're, we're emotionally bound to these topics and ideas. And regardless of what we think, God is the final judge and he will do right. You know, there are three different con- congregations associated with this live stream. One in Alabama, one in Arkansas, and one in a whole, in, in Riverview, New Brunswick. We do things differently in these three congregations, regardless of what we think consciously. Todd Clippard is going to stand or fall for what Todd Clippard does where where he is, and Aaron Dotson is going to stand or fall. Tony Brewer is going to stand or fall. Aaron's not going to stand or fall because of me and or any combination of that. So we have to rely on God is the final say. He is the judge, and regardless of what we think, he will do right. And that's sometimes we just got to say, you know what? That congregation down there in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, they had an Easter egg hunt between the morning and the evening worship service on Sunday, and I just think that's wrong. Well, what are you going to do about it? You're just going to let God sort it out because mm-hmm. of autonomy yeah. is is the idea. If, 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 if you're that conscientiously opposed to it, you just need to let them handle their business, and you mind your business, and they'll mind theirs. There's a sense in which that's the case. Anyway, all of that to be said, uh, Aaron, how are you doing? Man, doing great, and uh, it's an interesting subject because it's one that we you know, think about because we meet, we meet every Sunday, and often we do it every you know Sunday night service. A lot of congregations do it every week. Some are doing it less. Some are doing an afternoon service, I, you know, there's what you said, autonomy, and there's needs in a congregation. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to talk about because uh, I don't know if you want me to dive right in, but I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I'm, awesome. I'm dry. It ain't cold. Uh, it's been raining. I've been driving a boat back home from work here a lot lately, but I'm in my vehicle today. So y'all got <laughs> rain now? Yeah, that, we that had a lot of, abated? Yeah, we had a lot of rain all this past week and Oh man! Drizzled just a little while ago, but we're definitely above water. It ain't that bad, but it's well. We're 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 luckily we're 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 still in the winter time. We got the snow and everything. It hadn't turned to water. Yeah, yeah. Wait, flips quicker down here in the southeast, as you know. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't like the weather in the morning, just stick around to the afternoon. That's right. You don't have to wait very long. Todd, Sir? where are you from, man? What do you mean? Where am I from? I'm where a, are you from? I'm I'm like Johnny Cash, man. I've been everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee it. Well, where are you at now? You at the Hamilton? You're in Hamilton, Alabama. Harleston Church in Hamilton, Alabama. That's it. 
Uh, everybody, can y'all hear Todd fine? Um, I may need to turn him up. Let us know in the comment section. Um, Rusty Kirby, good morning. Reginald Perry, Terry Crooks, Diana Harden, and we got Mammoth Spring Church of Christ. That's Barry O'Dell. Good to see everybody here. I'm going to um, I'm going to put the uh, I'm going to just take the take the caption off so we can see Todd better. Um, Todd, let's talk about this. I, I sent you this email, um, and basically, well, I, I've got it pulled up here. Uh, here here's what was given to me. Um, a program discussing what congregations can do or do better on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights might be beneficial. Just thought of that. That that's from a that's from a, a faithful, longtime listener of Cogitations and Christianity now. And evidently, whenever I put this thumbnail out where you was going to be on the show and and talk about Sunday nights and what we can do. It got it resonated with people. We got quite a bit of feedback, so I'm kind of excited for this episode, and I'm interested to know because you you, you folks are in Burleson. I've talked to you about this a little bit in person. Um, y'all make sure that you're scriptural, and you don't let the scruples and matters of conscience of other congregations necessarily dictate how y'all operate. That's so. That's First, yeah, that's a first statement. I, I I think more people should be like that, and it, I believe it would, I believe it would bind us together more on where we're the same, and it would also accentuate the differences where we're allowed to have them and give some some diversity and I don't know what 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 a what a good word is. diversity is not a bad thing. I think it's kind of used as a club to beat us over the head with nowadays. But as long as it, you do it, what it, it God would, requires, yeah, as long and as we you're got doing freedom. What God requires there's freedom and there's that's it liberty. Sheila Cole, the sword and pearl. Good to see everybody here. So, Todd, talk to us about. Uh, obviously, whenever I sent you that message, you had some stuff in mind because you immediately responded with, "Well, I can come on there and talk about what we do at, at Burleson." So, holler at us. Tell us about some of that stuff, Todd. All right, let me. Um, I think there, there needs to be a little bit of background. Um, well, drop it. Well, I mean, in, in three in three weeks, I'm fixing to finish 28 years as the preacher here. All right, and and we've only been doing things differently since about the latter part of 2017. Okay. So what I'm telling you is, is that I was here 20 years before we started making any real Sunday night changes. Makes you know, sometimes, sense. Sometimes, you know, in in you know, sometimes we'd have and we'd have meat eating meat or you know, or you know, we'd have you know, we, we wouldn't meet on Sunday nights for various reasons or or we might, you know, do different things. But so far as changing the format, you know, we were over twenty years into my tenure here before we made any changes. Now that's just simply said to, to let you know that uh, you know we had 20 years of goodwill with all of our sister congregations and for those and those who may not be aware of this particular area you know, there are 15 congregations within 15 miles of where I'm sitting right now right and and, and, I, and when I say 15 congregations I mean 15 faithful congregations all right 
And if you and if you spread it out a little further, I mean, the the, the number of congregations is well. You know, Barn Creek's two and a half miles to the north. White House is four and a half miles to the east. All right. Okay. So just to give you an, an idea of how close these congregations are to us. Um, and so these are all faithful congregations. These are all congregations that are in full fellowship with one another, support each other's meetings, support each other's vacation Bible schools. You just whatever, you know, for years and years, had monthly county singings. Um, so, I want you to understand that that you know we did. I didn't just come in. I didn't just come into Burleson and start making or attempting to make or influence wholesale changes in what in what we do. Um, and so, I want people to understand that because that has to be considered. Absolutely. Look, we. In short, we do what works best for us, okay? Because the Burleson Church exists to glorify God through the members of the Burleson Church and not per the approval of any brethren in or around the area. Yeah. But we had goodwill, all right? And so so I I want people to understand that because, you know, there is a sense in what your brethren think does matter. Yes. It should. But but uh, but it, it, it but it's not authoritative, and so I want I want people to understand that we just didn't roll in here and start making wholesale changes. Now, the changes that we did make, and we did this in 2017, and we're still doing it today, is that we completely scrapped the traditional Sunday night format. Which, and when I say the traditional Sunday night format, I mean a carbon copy of the Sunday morning worship, you know, with, you know, two songs and a prayer and a song and the sermon and the invitation and, you know, our, and then however our congregation wanted to handle, you know, the Sunday night Lord's Supper situation. Um, and so, uh, uh, we, but we made wholesale changes to that. We scrapped it. Um, yeah. And what so- we... And and this was and by the way, this was all born out of a gospel meeting and uh, our Sunday morning Bible class. Yeah, we were having so we were studying. We we just studied the uh, J. Ridley Stroop's book "Why People Do Not See the Bible Alike," which is a great book. I totally recommend all brethren read this book. Man, it's so so insightful. Written in nineteen forty nine. Uh, um, but why people do not see the Bible like by J. Ridley Stroop. And then we were also studying the, the class material on Muscle and the Shovel. Yeah. And, and what was going on was, is, is that we're working through this material on Sunday morning, questions kept coming up, and we couldn't get through any lessons. Yeah. It's going to take us 10 years to get through that workbook if something didn't change. And so <laughs> I made the decision to, obviously, in, in with the approval of the elders, that, that we're going to move faster on Sunday morning, and then we're going to take Sunday nights, and we're going to spend as much time as we need to spend on whatever questions that we have about, particularly about denominational doctrines. Yeah. And our format switched to what we, what we did when we first made the switch was um, we would uh, we would open with a song, make sure that make sure that anyone there that needed to partake of the Lord's Supper had opportunity to do that. Uh, we've always 
for the last 25 years, we've always had our Sunday night supper observance in the General Assembly. Uh, we always sing a song. We do it just like we do on Sunday morning. We, we don't ship people off to a room off to the side and you know, tr- you know treat them like second-class citizens because they couldn't be there Sunday morning. Right. But we handled all we handled all that business on the front end, and then once that was done, we entered what we called publicly referred to as class mode. Yeah. Visitors, we explained to them what we're doing. Uh, you know, we're in class mode. If you have a question, ask a question. If you have a yeah. comment, comment. And we started, and uh, what I did was, I bought everybody at Burleson position notebook. That lined. Just a lined notebook. Yeah. And we started we started with studying denominational doctrines. And what we would do is is that on the first like the first lesson, let's the very first lesson's on faith only. All right. What we did was is that we spent the very first Sunday looking at websites that taught faith only. And we didn't just use any old crackpot website. You know, I mean we used, you know, we used uh uh, Legionnaire, uh, yeah. you, know, uh, you know Keller. Uh, um, who was the, who's the Legionnaire guy? Recently passed away. Um, big Spr- Calvinist. Sproul. Sproul. R.C. Sproul was. Uh, yeah, he's associated with the Legionnaires. Uh, John MacArthur. Yeah. You know, we used we used reputable websites. Mm-hmm. What we did was we searched all those websites together on using the. You know, I was connected to the internet. Yeah, and I, I did the homework ahead of time, but I'd carry them through, and we would take the ten most commonly used texts. You know, they're all using the same text. All yeah, right? and so what we would do is we wrote those texts right down the side in our notebook. And okay. In the column, we wrote what they said the text teaches. Yeah, and then on the right hand column. We wrote and studied what the text actually teaches, mm-hmm. and so. But the first, the first Sunday in each series was begun by looking at what other people said and why they said it, because that's really important for us to know. I mean, listen, guys, how many times somebody said, "Why do people believe in once saved, always saved?" Yeah, yeah a you know, bunch. Believe in faith only. Yeah. You know, why? You know, why do people believe in denominationalism? It's like, well, let's let's look at what let's look at what they say. And learn why they believe these things. And so that started, we went from faith only. Yeah. We went right to all the tenets of Calvinism. We studied all five tenets of Calvinism. We studied all seven tenets, primary tenets of premillennialism. Look, it took us six weeks to do faith only. Yeah. (laughs) Six weeks on the subject of faith only. You know, we spent six months in Calvinism. Yeah. We spent six months in premillennialism. And then we looked at errors on women in worship or leadership. Uh, we looked at instrumental music. We looked at the Lord's Supper. We looked at baptism. Um, I mean, there, it's all in here in the notebook. And and so, so well, how people, do you think they've got a resource? Yes. And so, and now we've simply moved into questions and answers um, because this uh, Sunday night series we've been live streaming since before Facebook Live. We used. Uh, yeah. Um, Periscope. Periscope. That's right. And we preserved it with a little program called Catch. Yeah. And, uh, then Facebook Live came out, and we switched over to Facebook Live because it was a far yeah. audience. 
And, and I remember this, those days. Yeah. Well, this man, this Sunday night series gets hundreds of views every single week. And during yeah. the pandemic, man, we'd run, we'd run 1,700 to 3,000 views a week. Yeah. And so, and, and so we understood the power. We understood the power of what we were doing on Sunday night. And Let so, me inject, interject okay. something here, that, which blows my mind. And th- this is so sadly, maybe it's because I'm a little jaded or I'm a little pessimistic. I don't know. I may lean towards that. But you, you typically find or see what you look for. So when I see problems a lot, I don't know what that says about me. But I've seen this many, many times where uh, the leadership of a congregation, I want to call it that, because, but that's a loosely used, loosely defined term. Uh, they will dictate what is taught from the pulpits in the classes based on a very small contingent in the congregation as far as what they want. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, well, we just want from the pulpit, we want from the Bible classes, we want to teach people what they need to know. And there's no reason to to focus on places where people in uh, that profess Christianity are different. If you just teach them the truth, they're going to know how to how to negate the error. And these small group of people are vocal, and the elders are listening to them, and they think that that's that's the 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 beating heart of the congregations, and I don't think it is. I, I think like that, and and it it's just wrong. And, and by the way, that's never been the case at Myrtle's. Right. But, well, it's it's never we, been the case of places I've been either. It's just what. Here's the thing: we live stream. And we take questions live on the air. Yeah, you know, it, it, one of you know at that at that time one of the deacons who's now one of the elders monitored the website. Yeah, and if a question came in, we'd stop and answer it if it was pertinent to what we were discussing at that point in time. So what? Absolutely. Ended, is that almost all of our questions ended up coming in from outside sources? But the but here's the thing. You know, if somebody else is asking that question, you know that some of your brethren are asking that question. Well, we understand that in advertising, like if hmm. if you if you are in, in in retail sales, like if you if you have a like you have a Walmart and you have one person a week come in asking for a particular product. Yep. After about two weeks, you need to start stocking that product, or you're missing out on sales. Yeah, politicians understand it the same way that if they get a letter from somebody, they know that that letter, and this is just, I'm just pulling a number out maybe from my head from 40 years ago. Yeah. That, and if they got a letter on something about a subject, they understood that that letter probably represented 1,000 people. At least. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, in a local setting. Oh, know, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Local representative, you know, like our local state representative. If you know, if he got five letters, and then, then he understands there's about 5,000 people that, have the same question. And so, um, and, and so, you know, we understood that if people are asking questions, um, and by the way, man, you would not believe how many non-Christians watch our Sunday night stuff. Oh, I would. It's, <laughs> I would. I, I never cease to be amazed because every now and then I'll just glance down at the, I use my phone as the monitor for our, our Mevo camera. Yeah. And I'll, It'll just say, watching. And I'm like, I can't believe that. 
I mean, I I was, like four or five years ago, I'm in this restaurant, and this guy that I didn't think that I didn't think ever even graced the doors of a church, which he may not have, said something to me at the breakfast table. Yep. He said, he said, man, he said, you had a sharp bow tie on last night. He said, that lesson was really good. And when I told one of his coworkers what he said to me, he said, he was watching you. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I, well, I mean, watching. See, he goes, wow. Aaron and Aaron and I get them all the time. Yeah. Folks that, I mean, you just, he'll, he'll send me a message. Hey, that dude that was watching during the show and commenting. He's somebody that I know from my past, and he's from back in Alabama, and I never thought he cared anything about. Right. Like, that's happened at least two or three times with Aaron, and I've seen people that I've known, you know, I mean, it's just, yep. you use it to disseminate this information. The door of the church is the Bible. So what we've, so what we've been doing has expanded, has expanded our influence and our reach. Yeah. Really? You know, I've got high school friends that live overseas that watch that don't have any ties to the church, um, and so you know, you know, scrapping and the. And I'm not saying that people wouldn't watch if we were just simply regurgitating the Sunday morning format. I just don't think as many people would watch uh, as if as if you were regurgitating the Sunday night format. And then, yeah, you know, and then beyond that, um, just the. Um, uh, the fact that you know, I, I probably preach longer on Sunday mornings than most guys. I'm gonna like Sunday. I thought I, I went a little long Sunday. I, I felt like I preached about 37 minutes Sunday morning. Yeah, you know, about 34 to 37 is where I'm gonna be. Most guys try to stay 25 to 30, but but in this format, you can talk for 50 minutes. Fifty-five minutes, and people are completely engaged the entire time you're standing. You'll never preach for fifty-five minutes and keep people's attention. You know, and and twenty or more. Yeah, but in this format, it keeps everybody completely engaged. Uh, Yeah, man, there's just no, there's no substitute for it. Well, in, in Acts 20 and verse 7, are we so naive as to think that Paul was standing up in front of those people gathered in the upper room behind a pulpit, and he stood from whatever time he started till midnight behind a pulpit, and it was a one-way homily, a didactic discourse? Or do yeah. we think he was lounging with everybody else, and it was a back and forth? Yeah, the word so translated means a discourse, back and yeah. forth. Right. That's why Eutychus... He 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 was so relaxed he fell out the window. <laughs> Maybe he just wasn't engaging the conversation. He got tired. I don't know. I've 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 stayed up late with a bunch of guys before, and I've I've dozed off. I don't care how good the conversation is. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It can happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, I would I would just encourage congregations to um, and look, man. If, if your Sunday night format is working for you. Don't change. Look, don't change just for the sake of changing, because changing doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to get better. Change change is is neutral. That's right. It could be bad. It could be good. 
Hey, let's let's use this opportunity to segue into uh, another section of the show. I want to talk about change and tradition and how we got here on what we think we got to do on Wednesday night. But first, I want to hear a word from our sponsor. And instead of me doing the ad read, we're going to take about a minute and 20 seconds here and let the commercial play. This is for Lindsay Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Remember, folks, gospel meeting season is coming up. And if you want your flyers, marketing material, and stuff like that for social media, contact Lindsay Faye Dotson, lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com today. Are you looking to spread the word about your next church event in style? Lindsay Dotson is your go-to designer for church-related advertisements that truly stand out. When it's time to invite members to your upcoming event or share the news of a special gathering, trust Lindsay to deliver vibrant flyers that capture attention and set the tone, memorable postcards that carry your heartfelt message, eye-catching social media graphics perfect for sharing across all platforms. With a keen understanding of the needs of the events of the Christian community, Lindsay crafts designs that not only look great, but also resonate deeply with your congregation. Get in touch with Lindsay Dotson today to elevate your church event promotions to the next level. Message her on Facebook or shoot her an email at lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Share your church's special moments and announcements in the most visually stunning way with Lindsay Dotson's expert touch. Reach out now and let your event shine. All right. Well, Todd is Todd stepped off while he's coming back. Uh, we'll clean up some of these comments. I know Aaron, we hadn't had a chance to hear from you much, but <laughs> let me let me take some of these comments. Really good comments, by the way. Um, my opinion is that we cannot have enough meeting opportunities to learn more of God's word. And Wednesday night is left solely up to the elders. Uh, oh, it jumped. Yeah, Wednesday night is left solely up to the elders. John Exum. I wonder what it would be like to meet every day for fellowship and such, not a service every day, but just to be together for a little time. I mean, that's good, good something to wonder. Mm -hmm. Um, So what Todd was talking about before we uh, entered into our commercial from our word from our sponsor was talking about tradition and stuff like that. Now it's important to understand that Todd did not come in with his fist and elbows and kicking people out of the way and saying, well, I'm the new guy here, and y'all been doing it uh, not a good way, and I'm here to teach you a better way to do it. I think if Todd would have done that, Todd probably wouldn't have lasted very long with the Burleson Church of Christ. (laughs) Yeah, Todd's saying, no, no, he wouldn't have. So it's that old adage, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, and you may have a better way of doing things. Nobody cares until you've proven that you're there with them. Mm-hmm. not lording over them, trying to take charge. Um, but that being said, I, I'm I, my, my conviction on change is it depends on why you're changing. If you can articulate a good reason for the change, a good reason to remove this man-made tradition, which there's nothing inherently wrong with man-made tradition as long as you're not circumventing God's commands. Right. So if you if you if you have a if you can articulate a good reason and you can 
put something adequately big enough to replace it, I guess, for lack of a better way, then, in other words, we don't want to leave a vacuum because if we leave a vacuum, we don't take care of it. We can't control what replaces it. Uh, if you can do those two things, if you can come up with a replacement and you can articulate a reasonable enough need for the change, then I will fight for it. But if you just come up and say, you know what, I think we ought to change. Why? Because I don't like tradition. I will fight to maintain that tradition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, those traditions just, are in place. You know, they're protection barriers. To- yes. And n- nobody that I know of that's that's loves God and is worried about keeping his commandments and, and fellowshipping with the brethren on earth is opting for less time spent with the brethren. I just want to get that one thing straight. Uh, here in Riverview, we totally got rid of our evening service, and we have we go from 9 to 10, or excuse me, we go from 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1, but we work breaks in there and stuff like that, so it's really like close to 1.30. But if we had to go till 2, nobody here minds. So that's just what we do up here. Um, Todd talked about preaching 35 or 40 minutes. I, I on, on my Sunday morning sermons, I preach about 40 to 45 minutes every Sunday. It's like clockwork. Uh, however, I have preached over an hour, and I haven't lost anybody. Like the, these people are not the, the, the bulk of the congregation is not from the continent of North America. And they're used to having several hours worth of... In fact, that's why we changed, I think, is because these people are used to getting up and going and spending three or four hours together, and that's their that's their day. And I, I don't think these folks understand, and, and not, not that this is a negative thing, I don't think that they comprehend that all three of these sessions are... are anything other than worship. Now they are like, there's one worship service and there's two Bible classes, but in their mind, they just think of it as one complete thing. And they're they're, This is our time for God. Yeah. And it's worked really well for us. Yeah. You know, but cool. Again, we didn't, I didn't do this when I first got here, but it just kind of evolved. Well, one thing, one again, let me, again, kind of preface some things about Burleson, is that out of the 90 or so people, about out of the 90 or so people that we have on our role, and our role of 90 people is every man, woman, and child, non-Christian spouses included, all right? So, I mean, it's a, all right, so out of that 90 people, Probably, and it, uh, and I, I don't know if you saw my head down. I was trying to do some math, right? Uh-huh. Names, but at least at least eighty percent of the people who are at Burleson right now were not at Burleson when I came in nineteen ninety six. And so, I mean, we have a we have a massive number of people who have no idea about so called Church of Christ traditions. Because they weren't right, they weren't raised in it. That that must mean y'all are liberal. <laughs> you won't find it. You won't find a country church anywhere with that's had that's that has eighty percent new people than it had twenty five years ago. Yeah, 
I mean, that, that just, that animal just almost, it's almost like a unicorn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's another reason why we're growing. I mean, we, you know, we've, we've got 12 new, now not all of them are converts. We have, we had three people place membership with us, but we've got, we've got 12 new faces at Burleson since first of August. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and it, you know, and the majority of it's converts. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, we're not we're not bringing people in with a lot of with, with a lot of church baggage that's related to the churches of Christ. Yeah. So that make that makes it easy for us to do what works best for us as well. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. If there's no, here's one thing I was going to say. Uh, we're functioning and talking up based on the fact that Sunday night service has not been commanded by God. Right. So that would mean then that each local congregation can decide whatever they want to do. We've already stated in so many words and even had a couple comments, you know, about we don't want less time together. You know, I, I don't, I wouldn't want us to just, well, we're not going to have Sunday night services. So just stay at home. It's like, no, let's, let's do something else serving God, you know, yeah. purposely together, unified. Because our, in our society, we don't need less time together. We need more time together. A lot of people are there, but they're disconnected. They need more connection. You know, they need more God's word in them. We all do. So, but with all that said, you know, I'd just like to ask you, Todd, the question that I think a lot of people would probably ask if they could ask you, especially people who may not be comfortable with changing something. You know, why did y'all change it? What were what were the reasons? And I know you've You've said in so many words, like you feel like the the effect and the outreach, people that are not members are watching online. That no doubt was one of the things that your your audience, you know, if you will, has broadened. But like what what were some of the initial conversations that came up and why did not necessarily who wanted to change it, but but why? Because I think a lot of people just look at change as bad. You know, it's just bad. We just we don't need to change it. We're too afraid. People might leave. People might not like it. And just we operate, unfortunately, not just as congregations, but even as individuals. A lot of folks operate out of fear. They mm-hmm. stay where they are out of fear. I don't know. Could you address that and just what from your experience there? I, I think the primary answer is seen in um uh, in the makeup, in the turnover, in the makeup of the congregation. Mm-hmm. Now, when you've got 70 to 80% of the people who have no church background, I mean, Lord's church background, or, and or have no religious background at all, you know, you're just, you're just spinning, you're just spinning your wheels. If you're, if you're not, I mean, we, we used our Sunday night service as a means to bring people along. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got, I mean, man, we've got, we've got people and, and listen, don't take this as a, as a slight against these individuals or in any way to be a, as an insult, but you know, you know, we, we've got people that don't know even the most basic of the Bible stories. Yeah. I mean, they might know a little bit about Noah's Ark. They you yeah. know, might know a little bit about David and Goliath. You know, mm-hmm. but, but you know, you want to talk to them about the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, David and Bathsheba, you know, the, Solomon, uh, Elijah, and the prophets of Baal. Man, yeah. these people, 
they just look. If you're 40 years old and you never set foot in a church till you're 40 years old, how are you going to know these things? No. So, so how does a Sunday night Bible study the way y'all do it? How does that, you know, well, bring it, out well, more of the meet that need more than just well, a regular service where someone's preaching? Well, ask questions. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when when you're you know when you're regurgitating. And I, I don't, I, that's probably not a good word because a lot of churches do really good on Sunday night doing it the way that we've all done it. All right. So I, I well, I, I put forth to you that those that are are making up for it in other places. And that's probably true, Tony. That's probably true. But, uh, um, you know, the, the, the ability, the ability to be personally engaged, ask questions, have your questions heard, recognized, um, and again, you know, a lot of guys, and I've done it, a lot of guys preach in series, but preaching in series is still bound by time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're if you're repeating Sunday morning services on Sunday night, you've got 30 minutes, you know, to mm-hmm. say what you want to say, and then you're done because that's all people are gonna listen to. That's about all they're gonna stand as as general rule. But you, when you're having Bible class. You talk 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes. People, people are engaged. They're asking questions. They're taking notes. And then when you cut it off, you say, guess what? We're going to come right. We're going to come right back here to this exact spot next mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we needed to meet, you know, we needed to meet some deficiencies in just the general knowledge of, of, of our membership because we had so many new members. And so again, we did what works best for us. Yeah. And and that thing is really starting to bear fruit now. As as I mentioned earlier, you know, um man, you know, the church is growing. There's you know a lot of good things going on. Um and so you know we got we got twenty five kids between the ages of two and seventeen. Did people over time after that got going start breaking the silence and talking and asking questions more. No, was the, no, I guess that didn't take long because, because what, you know, when I'm teaching Bible class, whether it be on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, I'm going to, I'm going to engage yeah. mm-hmm. the audience by asking rhetorical questions or, or yeah. asking for feedback or, you know, you know, tell, tell me that, you know, why, why did, and so my, my teaching style it is less uh, is less monologue than it is dialogue, and so yeah. our we're already accustomed, you know, to to being forced to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He may ask me what I think about this. I better pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I employ a lot of rhetorical questions to the point where even the sermons. I think one reason why I can get away with preaching close to an hour every Sunday is because it's a Granted, I don't. It's not an open forum, right? But it is engaging. I I I preach way less like I was taught at MSOP, and way more like Jordan Peterson lectures, right? Which it's there. I mean, you know, you got, you and, got neither, hey, and neither one's right or wrong in another. Right, it's just what works. What works? Yeah. I, I I preach like I live stream. 
Mm-hmm. I preach like a live stream. I've been live streaming so much that I preach like a live stream. I, I have a thesis. I have a point that I want to prove, a thesis that I want to support, or a problem that I want to solve. And I just address the pulpit and address the congregation. I lay out the problem or I lay out the thesis and then I yeah. then I then I just talk about it. Yeah. And, and I have to do yeah. I have to do specific preparation, obviously. But yeah, yeah Michael Collins is your heretic. Yeah, my, yeah, well, my, th- my thought. Glue, buddy. <laughs> my thought about that from the teacher's perspective is number one, as long as they teach the truth. Number two, be yourself. And then number three, try to be effective. You know, like the styles of teaching and preaching. As long as it's the truth, and long as you're being yourself, that's what's going to be more effective, in my opinion. Being yourself and and then connecting with the people and understanding them, that kind of thing. That's you know, in a op. In, as opposed to more of just a, what we think of as a homily mm-hmm. where, where it's just, where it's only one sided, especially for like and, Bible, Bible class. I mean, and kudos to everybody that's commenting. These comments are so amazing. I would, I would ask that everybody watching this go read the comments. Uh, we would be here for 97 to 40 hours with all these yeah. comments. If I read every one of them, we typically try to read all of the comments, but, but remember, with with when we have a guest, we kind of forego that because we want to hear from our guest. So, but g- very good comments, by the way. Yeah, Wayne Vaughn. The issue I have is having the sermons too short. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if he means as a listener or as a teacher. But you know, there's some brethren that are like, "I wish your sermon had continued on." And then there's always yeah. that one or two. Well, I want those little short sermons. You know, <laughs> it's like, well, who who gets to choose the <laughs> Perfect length, yeah. you know, well, an that, that, hour or five minutes. And I wonder how brethren would feel if I got up and just read a scripture and said, if you need to come to Jesus and come now and just, you know, like a little two minute deal every week. I bet somebody would start thinking, you know, we could we could probably pay him a little less for that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, going to be a, yeah, you know, being great. Hey, I'm, I'm not for the TikTok sermons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul went to midnight, but Wayne, he was ready to depart on the Mars, so he knew what was up. That's right. He probably didn't start at 7 a.m. They worked on Sunday, so he probably yeah. started in the evening. But, yeah. Probably started about dark 30. Yeah. But still, it was It's probably longer than 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> um, man, let me tell you, I've – so the the tradition thing, it has always blown my mind, Todd, that we just – do the same thing on Sunday night we do on Sunday morning. And it's, I've always wondered about that, even when I was a little kid. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem, I know it sounds weird because, again, you don't want to come off as you don't want to spend as much time in the Bible. You don't want to come off as if you don't want to spend as much time with the brethren. But I'm like, if we're just, I mean, I've already done this once. Why do I need to do it again? Mm-hmm. Like, be respectful of my time. I, I'm wondering and if that's why some brethren don't come back on Sunday nights. I think a I, lot I don't of wonder pre- that at all. I think, I think, I mean, a lot of brethren, they're like, yeah, no, they don't come because they don't love God. Maybe I don't think, but like, uh, it, it, the church leadership is not respectful of people's time. We've done this once. Why do I need to come back and do it again? I mean, somebody's got to be thinking that. 
Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> no question. Hey, Todd, how does Burleson, uh, the, the, diff- the difference between the Sunday morning and the Sunday evening, do y'all still do Sunday evening at 6 or 6.30 or whatever? 5.30. 5.30? Oh, well, that's not scriptural. Yeah, 5.30. It's, yeah, it needs to be in the six hour. Yeah, well, you know, talking about, you know, we're doing what works for us. You know, every every time there's a fifth Sunday in a month, we used to have meat, eat, and meat. All right? Well, we figured out if we met and then we ate, that next meeting's hard for everybody to stay awake. Yep. If you know what church fellowship looks like, man, you'll casseroles for days. And, uh, and so what we started doing is we even changed that. Now we have what's called me and eat. Yeah. And what I do, I preach twice on Sunday morning during the sermon, during the service. I'll preach a sermon before the Lord's Supper. I'll preach a sermon after the Lord's Supper. We'll have extra songs, and then we'll go eat, and then we're done for the day. So instead of meat, eat, meat, we meet and then eat. But Tony, doesn't that confuse people changing it up? Somebody would say that. Hey, I got to tell you, I, I got to tell you guys this. Uh, <laughs> you guys may or may not know Bill Burke. Bill's best friend I got in this world preaches for the church in Crandall, and he's been a, a adjunct at uh, Brown Trail for, since the nineties. What's his name? Bill Burke. Burke. Okay. I sorry. So Bill and I were we were talking about this very thing, and and let me give you the context real quick. The context was I was invited to go up north and hold a, a, a meeting, a weekend meeting, and the preacher suggested that uh, we'll do the, we'll do it, but you can drive back. We'll have an early afternoon service. You know, we'll have a meet, eat, and meet, and have early Sunday afternoon service, so you can drive home. You know, it's just, you know, it's pretty, just about close to five hundred miles, and uh, and the the elders shot that and said we don't change, we don't change our service times. And and here was this like, what's the deal with that? It's like, well, somebody might be tra- somebody might be traveling, <laughs> and uh, and they might need a place to stop and worship on Sunday night. And, uh, and so, so that's we why need- we're having Sunday night services, just in case somebody comes by on Sunday night. On the off chance that somebody might be traveling uh, and need a place to worship on Sunday night, that that was the reason that was given. So. Mm. Oh, now, with that, that's the background of our conversation. Bill was in this discussion with his preacher boys about changing up services on Sunday night and this and that, and, and traditionalism. And uh, the discussion got pretty heated among those guys because, you know, everybody's got a hot take on Sunday night. And um, and uh, those guys um, those guys got heated. One of them said, this is what one of them said because Bill was, Warning the trying to warn these guys about traditionalism. And one preacher student said, if the sign out front says 5.30 Sunday night, it's a sin if you don't meet at 5.30 on Sunday night. Oh, my. He, and he looked that guy in the eye and he said, thank you for proving my point. <laughs> yeah, boy. But listen, do you think that guy's alone in his thinking? He is not. You think he's the only member of the body of Christ that thinks if the sign says 5.30 and you don't meet at 5.30, it's a sin? Hmm. 
I, I'm with you. Well, people, again, it, it, it goes along with the same, well, Hebrews 10, 25, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. So if you miss Sunday evening, you're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That dude, that church that never changed, but that church, the church that never changes times has since started changing times. All right. What? But that, I mean, because yeah. we're talking about 15 years ago, this was 15 years ago when that initial sure. conversation uh, took place. But that church also had, a, they had a standing policy, regardless of the weather, we don't cancel services. If you can get there, get there. And, and, and dude, all right, let's just say, you know, we've all, you know, well, you live in it, but Aaron and I just experienced a pretty serious ice storm. Yeah. Our, our schools, we didn't go to school for, we didn't go to school for six days, all yep. one and Monday of the next week because of, because of ice. You know, yeah. We services Sunday night. We canceled services Wednesday. Listen. But let me ask you a question. Who are the people, who are the people that are going to kill themselves on Sunday night or Wednesday night, the, the, the folks members. that won't heal from a broken bone. Yep. That's right. That's right. Your, your octogenarians, are the, the people that probably don't even need to be driving at night. Yeah. Exactly. Drive on the ice at night because we don't cancel services. And anybody yeah. lick a sense is going to stay home and stay and stay alive. Yeah. But, but man, and look. Well, Man, I, and I love people for their dedication. I love it. I, I'm I'm thankful for it. Yeah. Elders need you know. Elders need to have a little bit of have common sense. Of, hey, one day, one day in 1979, we got 18 inches of snow in Dexter, Missouri. 18 on a Saturday night, we were supposed to get flurries, and we woke up to a foot and a half of snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Four people out of a congregation of 400 showed up for services, and my uncle and his aunt were one of them because he had a tractor at the house, (laughs) and he lived less than a mile from the building, and he and his wife climbed in that John Deere tractor and drove to the church building, and in my mind, I'm thinking, who else did he think is going to show up? I mean, mean, all the other... Five houses burned to the ground in in two days because... The fire trucks couldn't get there, but, you know, but he got in a John Deere tractor with his <laughs> and drove. And the, uh, the only other guy that made it was also driving a tractor. Do you <laughs> think that we have sanctified the building too much? You think you think we have you, we have separated the building and made it holy to the point where we've almost created a holy relic in the building? Oh. Uh, I've well, I, I saw that a lot. Look, when I say no, I don't mean nobody's done that. I just, I don't think I don't think that's it. I just think people are bound they're bound by their traditions, and 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 they've got it in their minds that, that yeah it's, that it's got I, to be this way. And if it's well, not that, this way, well, that, that's what I mean when I say we we've sanctified the building. Like that building is something special in our mind, and we can't worship God unless we meet at the building. That's why. People get so crazy when you go to jacking with the times of the meeting, you know. Yeah. Like uh, but people, again, like like the people that it bothers. Okay, so let's say the elders say we're not going to have collective service here at the building on Sunday night because two inches of ice or whatever. We got snow, you know. We y'all had the ice down there in Alabama. We had snow here, 
And our elders did cancel Sunday evening. It was clear that morning. But then by Monday, of course, it's just different. You know, we may not be that far away, but it's different up here. They pre-treat the roads here. They treat them after it snows and ices. And the interstate never shuts down here. I've been here, and they've had foot, you know, I don't know how much it was, bunches of snow, ice, and people get on the interstate. There's scrapers on the interstate. You know, the state has invested in that. We're we're far enough north we yeah. have that, you know. We but, ain't got and it ain't flat here like it is there either. Right, no. right, right. Exactly. So, well, but anyhow, that said, I wonder if the people that are they're in their mind, they're bound to come that night. They just have to. They feel bad if they don't go. I wonder if when the elders say, well, we're not going to have services this Sunday night, I wonder if they worship God at home or do they think they have to be at the building to offer worship on an otherwise optional service that the elders either require or don't require. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be specific without getting too much, but I'm trying to cover myself. I'm not saying Sunday night's re- not required if if elders, you know, require that out of the flock. But as far as God commanding it, you know, a second service, a third service, a fourth service, and so on. I wonder if those folks have worship at home, or do they just stay home and talk on the phone or watch TV? Well, well yeah, of course. Well, I, uh, that's what I mean. That's what I think, Tony. Maybe that's partly what you mean by you know the building yeah. like sanct- you got got to be at the building to have worship well i've i've been traveling with a group of people and one was like very you could tell he was he was having a crisis of conscience because i'm like look man we're traveling we've worshiped this morning we're we're not going to why would we pull off and you know take an hour and a half or two hours of time just just go and listen to a sermon preached by somebody else and say that we don't need the Lord's Supper because we've already had it. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to do something devotional to God, I'm all for it. Let's do it in the truck while we're driving. Yeah. yeah. Turn on PTP 365. Yeah. <laughs> well, he couldn't do that. He, he He's like, well, I don't know if I can do that. We got to go. We got to go find a church. Yeah. Well, we are the church. We're, we're, we're the church in this truck. Well, but, but, but Paul, when he traveled, he always found a congregation. I'm like, is that a is that a binding like some kind of command? Like when you're you already worship once. I'm not talking about just neglecting it all day long, but you've already worshipped on the Lord's day. Yeah, yeah. I used to be that way, man. I'd make sure I had some place to stop. You know, I, I planned every bit every yeah. bit of trip to make sure I had a place to stop on Sunday night, and yeah. uh, and you know. Well, I think that's a should thing. I think it should be that way. Well, I mean, but sometimes it's just not going to work out. Well, that's why it's a should, not a must. (laughs) You know, I I think people should dress up for Sunday morning service. (laughs) But what must we do? I mean, you know, every every culture around the planet understands that if you want to show reverence and respect, that you quote unquote dress up now that that looks different in every culture, but every, there's not a culture alive that doesn't have that ingrained in their core. And then those of us in the church want to make fun of people that want to wear a coat and tie and dress up like, well, you're not as pious as us that run around looking like schlobs. Like, no, it's a should thing. You should do it. Now you might not be able to, so it's not a must. So like whenever you're traveling, you should 
I mean, I love meeting new brethren. I, I would love, you know, traveling. I would love to, to, to stop at every little congregation that we pass and spend some time and, and get to know those people. I mean, it's a, it's a should thing, you know, but must I, well, you know, if we're, if we're hammering down trying to get home so I can see my family that I ain't seen in a while, we can pray in the car and we can listen to a sermon in the car, you know? I think, I think, I don't think I know motives matter. <laughs> yeah. Jesus taught that, Matthew 6, motives matter. Ah, oh, yes, I don't have to go to church tonight. <laughs> like, why yeah. do you feel that way? Like, why are you looking for a way to not go to church? I, motives do matter, you know? Like, there's a, there's a big, long comment I want to read. And I think this would be good. We can end the discussion probably on on this one comment because I think it it'll get us back to the to the topic at hand. Not that we've ever left it totally, but all right. This is from Michael Gregory Collins. We need less time in the building, but not less work. We have constructed a time clock system of Christianity. Punch the clock when you walk in the door. I think being in the building and worshiping together is necessary. But we also have to find time to go do all the other aspects of the Lord's work. We went to visit someone Sunday that are great members and but occasionally miss. So he visited them. The wife has been struggling bad with arthritis but never says anything at worship about it. We have developed a deeper relationship in her home finding that out and how she's getting over it. She even sent us away with some goodies. Now we know she's not, quote-unquote, just skipping, but is dealing with a very real issue. Being in their home and just visiting made their whole week. And that I think that's what we're advocating for. You know, if we, we want to we combine our entire day of worship and, and Bible class, that's great. We can do that, you know, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1 or 2. Or we can do a, a 10 to 11, 11 to 12, then come back at 5.30 or 6.30. Either way, understand that what we do together as Christians is necessary, but these things in the building, but out of the building, Christianity is still extant, and it's it needs to be affecting and influencing our communities. You can't do that from the four walls of a building. Yeah. Yeah, and t Tony. One of the things that I I know we can we can wrap this up. But I, I'm not wrapping it up. I wanted to mention one other thing that I think people, sincere people, have succumbed to is just the idea that having more than one service on Sunday makes you closer to God or makes you more holy. Again, I've already stated I personally don't want us to not have right. a get together or a work that we're jointly doing that's specifically designed to glorify God and obey His commands. Because, yeah. because I believe we need more time together, not less. So I'm not advocating that. Motives matter. We need more time doing God's things, et cetera. Like, just like the comment you just read from Michael, you know, yeah. serving, et cetera, knowing the congregation, all that. But I've never had a response on this question. If we think that a congregation choosing to not have a Sunday night service or changing it different like Burleson, if we think that's bad, just like unscriptural bad, that's what I mean, then why are we having only two? Because a lot of congregations have two. Why don't we do three? Yeah. 
If why two don't we, makes if, you close, three makes you way, real close. I, I know. I mean, if that's the reasoning why we have Sunday night, because it really shows we love the Lord. I have heard brethren down congregations that change something or choose to not have it that night because of aged members, whatever. And it's almost like signaling virtue. We're better than those congregations. They're liberal. We're sound. Dude. It's like, so why don't you why don't you have three? Why don't you worship from five a.m. till midnight to prove that you're? You know what the response would be? Well, we can't do that. We we could, that would be impractical. Okay, well sometimes two services is impractical for some congregations, etc. Preach for congregation in Ghana many times, and they meet six nights a week. Yep. <laughs> Literally on their church sign. I've got a picture of the church sign. Mm-hmm. There's a meeting. There is a meeting six nights. And a lot of, a lot of brethren over there meet five nights a week. But this church meets six nights a week. I think Friday's the only night they don't meet. Heretics. They're just not <laughs> devoted. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that, and that goes exactly to what Aaron's talking about. I mean, <laughs> if, if, two, if two makes you more pious, then, then man, then folks in Ghana. Mo- motives matter. Purpose they're, they're, matters. Like, don't, my my only warning is like, let's not get in, like, certain Sunday night services can be great. It's what you make of them, whether it's an actual worship service or a Bible class or a service project you do together, you come, you know, et cetera. Do it intentionally, on purpose, trying to obey God, trying to serve others, trying to reach the law, trying to edify the church. Don't become rote. You yeah. know, don't become, oh, I don't want to go Sunday night because I'd rather stay home and watch a football game. Don't be that. But or on the I other only hand, have to go you, to Sunday night because it's available because I want to sleep in. Exactly. Don't be any of those. Motives matter. Like, do it the right way with the right attitude, whatever you do, you know. <laughs> Uh, most most of the most of the criticism comes from a lack of respect for congregational autonomy. I would place my stamp of approval on that in a general sense. That that one gets a red one hundred on it because that's on the nose. Yep, 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 yep. And I like this one. It's almost like there's a verse out there. Yeah, I read that book one time. Yeah, I can't remember who it's from or what book it's in. Um. It may have been like a really good history book or something like that. I don't know. But I feel like that's familiar. Yeah, we don't need to compare ourselves with ourselves. All right. Perhaps visit other congregations if the congregation you attend doesn't have a Sunday service. Yeah. All right. I think we can wrap this up. I mean, we're not going to change the world. Oh, Terry Crooks. Let me grab this comment. Our responsibility to study the Bible regularly, not just on Sunday and Wednesday. Once a brother went up to the pulpit and prayed for the dead, another brother followed him and corrected the mistake by praying for the living, which shocked the church. We are members of the church who attend services regularly, but we may not be aware of the knowledge level of our congregation. I'm, yeah, yeah. and, and true. we we need to do that. So, from my research, um. And I don't know if Todd can hear this or not. He stepped off the camera. But um, from my research, thank you, Danny Mentor. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Fr- from from my research, there, it appears that this tradition of a quote-unquote Sunday evening service, I think, was started uh, with the advent of shift work in a lot of places. 
I've heard that many times from people who said they researched it. I haven't researched but, it really myself, but yeah. But, uh-oh. But, uh Well, now <laughs> I can't find, uh, where did I, I was doing some research for the show. Is, is it on my phone? Yeah, where'd your research I had a, go? I had a web, oh, right here, yeah, yeah. Right here. This this article is from the Banner of Truth. I don't know who does this, but why two Sunday services? And I'm gonna read this. I, I don't I don't agree with this. I think this is nutters. Okay. Why are there two Sunday services? Because two services are a pattern in scripture. <laughs> I have never heard this stance. Wow. I've never heard this stance. Yeah, in the South with the coal miners and the shift work demanded two services. Now, I'm, I'm with you. That's very possible that that's because it, 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 it would have originated in the Bible Belt and the coal miners would have been in the Bible Belt and it would have kind of permeated throughout the rest. Anyway, while there is no explicit command in the New Testament, this is evident in the Old Testament. We find this morning and evening pattern explicitly in Psalm 92. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. As Christians, we meet on Sundays as the day of Christ's resurrection. It is suggestive that the Gospels record, resurre- Gospels record resurrection appearances in the morning <laughs> and the evening. It's not and it's John 20, verses 1 and 19. That's not a so pattern this, command for... That, 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 is, that does not meet the criteria for pattern. No. That, <laughs> no. Um, I, was, I was doing some research, Todd, on, how, on where we got this two, two worship service pattern. And I, I, I feel like it probably came from the advent of shift work. But oh, this no, part... And, and, and transportation. Yeah, yeah, transportation, shift work, stuff like that. Um, but okay, okay, Todd. So since we have transportation, why don't we do three services? Because that would be more time with the Lord and with the Lord's people. I'm, I'm just, why won't people answer that? Why don't people say, yeah, let's start doing three, baby? Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just, I think it proves a point that, like, if you've done it once to fulfill God's command. You are in right standing with God if your motives are right. You know, you know. This man, none of the churches around here ever met on Sunday night until the 1950s. That's. And they never met on Wednesday night, probably until later than that. Yeah. Uh, because, well, I mean, my grandfather was a, an elder and a deacon in the church for probably close to 60 years. And, um, you know, when they lived in the country, the church met on Sunday morning. Yep. I mean, that was it. I mean, he didn't. I mean, he was born nineteen eleven, and he never he never attended a Sunday night service till he moved to town in nineteen sixty. Yeah. You know, man, forty nine years old, lifetime member of the church, never went to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night till he moved off his farm into town because he could drive from town to the farm. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like you know, farmers live in town now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and by the way, my mom told me, said it was a big change for them when they moved to town because, you know, he wasn't, at, you know, he wasn't convinced when he first moved that 
that you know Sunday night had you know was a was a must. Yeah. yeah. And because in his mind he's like, well, that's just for the people, like you said, that, that are on shift work or you know, or people that you know that couldn't be there. And then but then he came to the conclusion, you know what? You know, I need to be there and have my family there. And that's the way we were, you know, that's the way we were all all raised. But you know, this idea of Sunday night, this idea of a Sunday night assembly is a man by age as opposed to the age of the church. Man, it's a, it's an infant. It's modern. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday night service. <laughs> Sunday night services is an infant uh, yeah. in, in relationship to in relationship to the to the life and the age of the church of the church itself. I mean, it's. I, I think it's wise for elders to think long and hard about why they're leading and guiding and expecting the church to do what they do in a second service or third service or whatever, and, and, and then express those things clearly to the church, you know, so that they know why they're doing what they're doing and don't let it just become, well, we've just always done this. That's why people don't come. That's why people are there and they're, struggling with it or their mind they're there physically but they're not there mentally you know you, you, look there needs to be some if you're gonna if you're gonna add services there needs to be some thought involved yeah be, yeah. be intentional be even intentional even about the second service that you're already having for the last 80 years be intentional about it i caught some grief not long ago by by making a, a criticism and i made it before a gospel meeting season opened you know you know that when uh when, <laughs> How many times have you heard somebody get up at a gospel meeting and and give thanks for the elders having the foresight to have that meeting? <laughs> you know, when that church has had that meeting on that particular Sunday for the last hundred and twenty years, you know, third Sunday of June's our Sunday. You know, it's like, dude, there's no forethought in that. Maybe praying for the elders a hundred years ago that had the forethought. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's no foresight in that. You know, yeah. And, yeah, when you've not planned to when you've not planned to do anything but have a gospel meeting on the third Sunday of June or the second Sunday of July or you know or or whatever, you know, and you didn't even schedule your speaker till about three weeks ago, you know, yeah, because because you couldn't find anybody. I mean, there's no forethought in that. I mean, why why would we why would we expect people to get excited <laughs> about something we hadn't put five seconds of thought in? Yeah. I know it. Yeah. Again, I'm going to use Bartleson as a, as an example. Man, we had a meeting back in October with Wes Hazel. Yep. And we planned that. He and I worked on that meeting and planned that meeting. And, and we had that meeting for our people, for our people. And, and with the understanding that if anybody else showed up, they could benefit. Yeah. Man, you want to talk about attendance, dude. Dude. We had people attending that thing every night that in years past might not attend Monday night or Tuesday night, you know, but they'd be good to be there Sunday night and Wednesday night. Dude, we had people there on small Monday night. Yeah. We had people that never missed a service that probably it's been years since they'd attended every service. Yeah. But what, what 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 was the difference? The difference was we planned it, we prepared, you know, we, we did what works for us and the people you know, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to prod people. We didn't have to beg them. We didn't have to guilt them. You know, we put a product out there, so to speak, that our people wanted and needed. Man, they responded. It's been, it was one of the best. Me- it might have been the best meeting we've ever had in, in my twenty-eight years here, and we've had some good. Ones. 
I think it'll be good to close the show out with this thought. Now, this is going to be, it's going to have just a touch of dad joke humor and a little bit of absurdity, which hopefully makes it stick. And I'm not trying to change anybody's vernacular. I'm just going to put this in a way that I want us to think about it. So if I go to a college and I sit in a class and I listen to the lecture, but I don't do the work and I don't take the test and I don't get credit for the course, what is, what, what is, the, what, what is the verb you, that describes what I did? You audited it. I audited it. There's nothing wrong with auditing. Okay, like I, I I garnered that information. They the the professor cannot take it from me. I just don't get any credit for it. But now, if I pay the tuition, if I do the work, if I do the homework, I get credit for the class. I haven't audited. I have participated. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever we come to the church building, we go into a large open room where we worship. But we call it an auditorium because we don't want to call it the sanctuary because it's not scriptural to call it the sanctuary. But what do we call it? We call it the auditorium. But it's not where people come to audit. It's where people come to participate. And I think that's the key if we can teach the members this. You're not coming to audit a worship service. The worship service is not for people who are not members of the church. Amen. Our assembling of ourselves together whether it's for a Bible class or whether it's for a worship service, is for members. It is not that that's it. John Exum has heard me say this before. (laughs) It's a participatorium, not an auditorium. Mm -hmm. But now, don't don't start using that word or you're going to sound like a nutter. But if we can think of it that way and we can help people, their default way of thinking be, I'm not coming to audit. I'm coming to participate. I think those gospel meetings go better. I think the Bible classes go better. I think the fellowship meals go better. I mean, I don't want to just audit a fellowship meal. I want to participate. <laughs> right. But anyway, that's I, I, I feel like with what Todd has described with the gospel meeting, and if we would we would look at gospel meetings as, uh, more about how to strengthen and establish what we already have going and then maybe have another event that is for gospel outreach. But the problem yeah. is when you combine the two together, you become a jack of all trades and a master of none. You don't if if you have a gospel meeting that's focused on evangelistic outreach, then you're not providing that event for the congregants. But if you have a gospel meeting that focuses on the on the congregants, it's not going to be as good an evangelistic effort as it could be, and that that's why when you try to combine them together, you just do both of them kind of halfway, instead of instead of specializing one. Like a, I, I would say, have a have a oh, what's his face, uh, Whitaker. You know, have 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 Rob Whitaker come and do an evangelism seminar, yeah. and for that week, focus on nothing but evangelism. And uh, learning how to evangelize and this, that, and the other. But I remember at a congregation where I was, I wanted to get somebody that wasn't a quote-unquote big name in the brotherhood. And they wanted to get B.J. Clark. And I said, listen, I like listening to B.J. Clark, but why don't we get this other fella? 
And they actually said, well, it won't be a successful gospel meeting because we won't be we won't be able to get people from other congregations to come. That's that's and what like, I, yeah. yeah, no offense. I don't care if they come or not. I that's mean they're what my many brethren. gospel meetings have become a yeah. pep rally for the saved. It's which, it's a social yeah. club. Which if you turn it into an edification event and you're purposeful about it and you have the right motives, et cetera, it can be successful. Good. good. Yeah. That's Bring good. Bring BJ and and have him light a yeah. fire under the members. Right. But don't walk away going, We didn't have anybody. I you know, I invited five people, no sinners came. It's like yeah. well, maybe we didn't purpose enough. Maybe we didn't plan enough. Maybe we didn't canvas enough. Maybe you know, yeah. there's anyway. That's that's my two cents as far as that goes. We we need to we need to make sure we we're 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 not participating in consumerism Christianity. That we're we're a, we're a battleship, not a cruise ship. Everybody's better, got a job to do. You better bump that up to about eight cents with all the inflation. But go ahead, well, two yeah. cents if you want to. <laughs> all right. Any final thoughts? We truly need a revival in the church today for love and good works, not love for tradition. Amen, John Exum. Hold on, it's a good. I I, I want to get this. Oops, right here. Here's a case study. A church I preached for in Alabama decided to eliminate the PM services, citing several reasons. A fairly large number of members left, saying they felt the church was too becoming too liberal. A year later, the church added the PM service, and some more people left, citing it was too much of a burden. <laughs> well, I thought you could please everybody. I'm pretty sure you can't. Abraham Lincoln said that. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Thanks for joining us, Todd. That's good. Always good thoughts and congratulations. Uh, we have really this this again. We for a large chunk, we've had almost forty people. Um, I'm curious to see what the analytics are after the fact. I always get an email and Restream tells me. But we have, I, I bet we averaged 30 people for the live stream today. So this lets us know exactly how this uh, resonates uh, with the people. So listen, we just want to do what's right. We want to serve God and keep his commandments because this is the whole of man. Um, I believe, as I was saying before we started, I believe that everybody, I, I almost believe this without exception. That may be, that just may mean that I'm naive. Everybody wants to do what's right, and they want to be equipped to do what's right. And if you equip them to do what's right, they will, if they are able, do what's right. Yeah. And if I think anything other than that, I'm just going to go get a job at a widget factory and keep to myself because what's the use in continuing, you yeah. know? And, and I would add to we just want to do what's right, and we want to do it as effectively as we can. That's yeah. why we would discuss this subject. Some good brethren would say, why in the world would you even discuss not having a service or changing the service to a Bible class or something along those lines? Because if it falls in the matter of judgment, it's wise to discuss it so that you can think about how effective you can be and what you're doing instead of just keeping status quo thinking that you are exhausting all your efforts and we're doing all that we can. And each year, like kind of like you said, Todd, <laughs> it's like, thank you for all the 
in thought that went into this. And it's like, well, over years, that thought trickled down to little of nothing except just keeping it as it was. So we wanted the church, every congregation should only want to do what's right and do it as effectively as possible. That's the work of elders, especially too, to help the congregation be as effective as they can. What's the old saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We need to take that to heart as congregations and be as effective as we can. All right, folks, we're going to shut her down. I'm going to put the uh, tip jar. The only reason we have the tip jar is because some of you have asked. Uh, for instance, what we use our support money for, if you're a subscriber at Substack or if you're a supporter on Patreon or if you just send us money every once in a while through PayPal at nearchurches at gmail.com. Uh, for instance, Aaron Dotson needs a set of, uh, needs a piece of equipment. We're going to order that piece of equipment soon. And the way we're able to do that is because of the money that you, that you support us with. Um, we've grown immensely and that's in large part, thanks to your monetary support, but also it's because you share and comment and interact. And we are so thankful. The last time I looked at the analytics on the Facebook page only, we're reaching about 15,000 people weekly. So that's a huge number for us. It's a little old bitty Facebook page. Um, but anyway, uh, the, the, the main thing that's blowing my mind is the growth on the YouTube channel. We, um, we can be monetized on YouTube fairly soon. We need 1,000 subscribers, but that watch time hours, folks, we're going to blow that out of the water this year. So please continue to support the YouTube, like, subscribe, and share, all that good stuff. And unless anybody's got any final thing, we're going to shut her off. Anybody? All right. Thanks for being with us, Todd. Uh, Aaron, appreciate you. And folks, this has been Tony Burr and Aaron Dotson with special guest Todd Clippard. And uh, for Christianity Now, like, subscribe, and share on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. And we'll catch you on the flip side.